Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, Ken Sims. And I feel like I'm really branded up today. I've got like a VUX World hoodie on. I've got a yellow T-shirt underneath. There's a VUX World neon sign. And there's a, a, a yellow kind of mic cover. So I feel as though I'm like overdoing the brand situation today, <laughs> which is uh, intense. But there you go. Uh, anyway, today we are going to be talking about uh, a really interesting topic, which is very close to my heart. Being a creative at heart, uh, but also also having a lot of experience working with, um, you know, design, uh, sorry, development teams and technical teams. We're going to be discussing uh, how to take a design-led approach and a design-first approach into a typically development and technical-led organization. And I'm joined today by Colin Carnahan, who is the Senior Conversational Designer at uh, Workday. Colin, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. I should have worn some yellow too to, to rep uh, yeah. the UX world. To, to represent, exactly. Yeah, a bit disappointed. I won't lie. I'm only joking. <laughs> I know. I didn't uh, get the memo. I know. I know. Sorry. Sorry about that. I like that, should be the, that should be standard memo stuff before these podcasts. You've got yeah. to wear yellow. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you for joining me. Really appreciate it. Over from Seattle. Yeah. Yep. I'm uh, based out of Seattle. Um, loving it. Uh, it's raining right now. Typical Seattle weather. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I think it shares so much similarities with the UK. I think Seattle in general, from what I hear. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, nice one. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, we're definitely definitely looking forward to getting into this conversation. Uh, we yeah. will do that in just one second. But first, I want to give you your final reminder because I think this is actually this, this may be the last podcast that we do before the Voice Summit uh, in Arlington. I don't think we've got one next week. Uh, there's a few things going on next week which I'll tell you about, but no podcast. And so this is the last opportunity I get to tell you about the VUX at Voice event in Arlington on the 11th of October. It is going to be all about contact center automation we've brought a whole bunch of interesting case studies to the stage it's an in-person event at the voice summit we've got a whole track there and you're going to hear from landry's restaurants and hospitality you're going to hear from uh who else is there we've got uh florida blue massive health insurance company talking about how they've implemented a, a visual ivr omni-channel assistant there's a whole bunch of stuff going on it's going to be absolutely fantastic and if you want to be there and be a part of it then you need to go to voicesummit.ai and you can use the promo code VUX20 to get 20% off. Uh, the second thing to tell you about is the webinar that I am doing with Vonage and OneReach next week on Thursday and that is all about demystifying conversational AI. You may have seen the uh, Bullshit Man newsletter that I sent out <laughs> recently which was essentially there's some stuff going on. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, Colin, as well. There's things going on in the kind of industry and landscape that I just feel are kind of adding too much fuel to a fire that's already being hyped up quite substantially. And it can be very difficult for people to understand what on earth we're talking about, what is conversational AI, what, it's cap what is it capable of, what's the best way to go about implementing it, what's the realistic results that you can kind of get from it, what's hype versus reality, and there's just a load of that stuff going on. And so in this webinar next week with Vonage and OneReach, we are demystifying conversational AI. We're going to cut to the truth of the matter and basically separate the wheat from the chaff to advance you properly on how you can effectively go about setting up your strategy and implementing conversational automation at your uh, at your business uh, without the hype and without all of the frills and bullshit that goes with it. <laughs> so go to vux.world forward slash vonage if you want to find out more or register. That's vux.world forward slash vonage, V-O-N-A-G-E. Uh, and that's it. 
There you go. That's the uh, the promo stuff over with. What's your thoughts, Colin, generally about the kind of whole industry at the moment and how you see, you know, what's hype versus reality? Yeah. Uh, hype versus reality. Wow. Um, I see a lot of companies really doing a lot of like forward thinking, but their technology just hasn't been able to catch up to that like vision and um, forward thinking work, I think. Mm. Um, it's... Uh, we're seeing a lot of like really cool stuff in the IVR world. We're seeing a lot of really fun stuff in the voice world, the chatbot world, as far as like the, the typing type of world, that's kind of still kind of floating around kind of stagnant. A lot of people are playing around with like skills and microtransactions and like, you know, upping the contextual awareness of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the real um, kind of drive in the future is going to be more on pushing conversational design into like IVR and like automation of services, mm-hmm. um, especially around uh, uh, industries that really heavily rely on um, phone calls currently. Mm, absolutely, absolutely, um, definitely. Yeah, nice one. So, tell us about yourself then, Colin. What's uh, tell us a bit about you, about what you do at work day, yeah. and uh, yeah, what what got you involved in all this kind of stuff? Yeah, um, my journey in into UX um, started. Uh, early in like 2013, um, I kind of started as a general just UX person um, working in um, an automate in a uh, AI text capture feature actually mm. um, that would allow people to like take photos of their medication bottles and then all that information would get populated into their phone. Pretty cool stuff. Um, so I worked on the customer communication side of that. So like if any time there was like an error or an issue with that, like I would write the content that would then get sent back over to the the user and to to help them fix the problem, you know, turn some lights on, maybe rotate the bottle, things like that. But that was my kind of like my first real dive into I wouldn't call it conversation design, but I would call it just general UX work. Um, but then I was able to kind of leverage that work over time into, um, doing a lot of different, really fun, um, UX roles, doing like web design, uh, just general UX work for a little while. And then I ended up getting connected with a, um, London based startup called Highliner Technology. Um, Kirsten Shannon is a, is a good friend of mine, CEO, um, needed some, general UX work and some product design work, uh, a lot of strategy too, because it was a very early stage startup. I think I was employee number like three or four. Um, and, uh, early on I helped her out a lot with like just coming up with product strategy of like what she wanted to do with, with, um, her ideas. And it got timed that they needed to have someone actually build the product for them and like launch it. And, um, we were talking to, companies, development companies in like the, in Ukraine who were quoting us like really high prices to like build this chatbot for her company. And, um, it got to a point where I was like, I'll just figure out how to do it myself and I'll just do it. So I ended up putting on my engineering cap and decided, taught myself how to build chatbots. Um, my first product was a Slack bot. Um, the whole point of it was a C-suite executive coach, um, automation because professional coaching is expensive. And so the idea was to automate that and make it cheaper for, um, startups essentially to coach their managers. Um, and that was a really fun product launched and shipped it with a few different companies, um, in London, uh, notably iProve, which is a biometrics, um, company that did uh, biometric security, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, and then from there, I kind of 
just got into the conversation world. I became a conversation designer kind of from, from there. I ended up going over to the Expedia group, working on a whole sort of, uh, host of comp with a whole host of companies, um, mainly with hotels.com and other UK based, uh, company. So I didn't really like leave, leave London. Um, were you in London at the time? Were you based in London? No, no, I was in no. Seattle. So I was doing really? a lot of these like, uh, you know, big, you know, eight hour time difference, uh, calls. Frighteningly um, early mornings. Yeah. Well, then funny enough, after Expedia Group, I ended up going to Rocket Mortgage, um, the parent company, Rocket Central, which was an East Coast company. And I'm on, I'm on the West Coast. So I was getting up at six o'clock every morning and sitting on meetings um, very early. Sleeping, uh, sleeping so, on meetings, did you say that? Uh, trying not to, um, but I won't lie if I like took a break, you know, around like nine or ten to like go have a coffee and, and sit down and relax for a little bit. Um uh, yeah. And so I was over, then I went over to rocket mortgage, um, where I was a senior conversation designer there building out their conversation design team. Um, the nice thing about rocket mortgage and the rocket rocket central company, um, is they actually invested a lot early on into, um, bots and into conversation design. And so I kind of entered rocket mortgage as, um, as like the number two or three conversation designer there. Um, they already had a few there. And so they already had a whole practice of the UX field already up and running. Um, and then I came in and I did a lot of like major improvements to the bot, did some um, supercharging of data, conversational data. And then I worked a lot with a really good friend of mine, um, Kevin Romneth, who uh, is a genius when it comes to conversational data. And he was able to like get us to like increase all of our KPIs across the board with just pulling um uh, utterances out of our uh, out of our data sets and like we like got it really good mm. um was, was, then, a, was a, aisha salim working with you there rocket mortgages i did i worked with aisha for a little bit we were on so how we had it set up at rocket is we had a few different um areas of focus we had um our um we had our we had an ivr team that was focused on like incoming calls um, that was led by a guy named Ian Dongla. Uh, then Aisha Salim was one of the first conversation designers actually at uh, Rocket. She um, did a lot of the early stage work of laying like the foundations for all of the, the different bots that we had. <clears throat> we had like an Apple business chat bot. We had a few different bots, but um, towards the end of her time there, she was focused on um, a lot of like inbound text messaging type of SMS stuff. Uh, so that was kind of her area of focus. I was more on like the web front, maybe a lot of doing a lot of like authenticated user FAQ help. Um, mm. that's, that's where I was at. Nice. And then, um, I think she's over at, uh, Instacart now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had, we had on a podcast the other week. We had, uh, yeah. We had, uh yeah, yeah. About, about, I don't know how long ago, a couple of months back. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. She's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. she's really good. The everyone, all the conversation designers at rocket mortgage are really, really good at what they do. And I mm. can't, I can't stress that enough. Um, and then, uh, at, at a certain point, uh, a few months ago, um, I had workday come to me and request that I, I come work for them. Essentially, uh, the director of the, um, edge org who's over like the emerging technologies, um, was like, we need to have conversation designers on, on at workday. And so I joined workday as a senior conversational designer 
Um, I was the very first one at Workday. Uh, previous to to me coming to Workday, they um, this guy kind of go gets into the the kind of the meat of this podcast, but it was mainly an engineering led group, um, mainly led by product managers, uh, and there was just a general UX person and a content uh, designer who were supporting. They were supporting like five or six product managers who were supporting, who were also then supporting like a team of like 40 or 50 engineers. And so a lot of the work that was happening was mainly being led by engineering and the product management team who were kind of stepping in because they didn't have the UX support there. And so is that, is that, sorry, is that just in the conversational channels or is this across the whole business just conversation just so the, okay so they were already when you went there they'd already been doing this for quite some time seemingly yeah the bot when i had when i joined was about three years old what it originally started out as was a tool for engineering to be able to like leave comments and submit comments to each other on the work that they were doing and they had the idea of taking this kind of tool that they they had built because their teams were in different time zones and so they were trying to basically get ahead of um each other instead of having to like wait on the the Ireland team to get the Dublin team to then like answer their questions and, and vice versa. Um, and they had the idea to take that and spin that into a, an assistant that would then be applied to uh, be, be a product that Workday would then sell to um, all of its Workday users or uh, Workday clients. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, so I kind of came in t- to Workday with no, with no groundwork, with very little groundwork laid for conversation design, let alone just bot design in general. Um, so it was, it was kind of a, a wild west, if you, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that had basically been, obviously it started out seemingly from a good place from the point of view of it was there to mm. do a, a job that was aiming to yeah. save some people time, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and so, what uh, when it when it when it first began three years ago before you started? It sounds as though it was doing some fairly you know rudimentary kind of things. Mm. When you began, what like maybe we should start with like what the the kind of use cases are that it covers and mm. and the kind of current state that it was in, so to speak. Yeah, um, so I guess you kind of have to understand like what Workday is. If if any of the listeners aren't very familiar with what Workday is, they're a human capital management product. So they're basically HR, human resources. That's what the product is. It's a, it's a software as a service for um, HR needs. So that that's pretty broad in, in what it can do. And so the product actually is, Workday is used across many industries, healthcare, government, education, private sector. Um, it, it really is this like, one thing, one product fits every fits all these kinds of categories. The selling point to Workday is it's, it's um, very customizable, and that it can be tailored to your um, your business's needs. And so, um, with like the chatbot or the assistant, the engineers had built out this very robust bot that was able to do a lot of transactional things, a lot of um, pulling information and submitting information, a lot of like time off type of things. That's a lot of where a lot of the work in the system was, is basically being coming, becoming a parody of what Workday was inside of a chat 
container. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as Workday grew, they grew into uh, the world of Slack and te- Microsoft Teams and this. And so they've developed their own apps where they then have then also integrated Assistant into the chatbot assistant into those products as well. So it's, okay. it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things of like, it, it can do a lot of really technical things, but as far as like the conversation is concerned, there really is not a lot of back and forth um, in, in the content. It's mainly, you know, asking people what days do you want off or telling them how much um, their paycheck is going to be, things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's essentially just looking for a very straightforward answer, basically slot filling by the sounds of things. Kind of, yeah. It's it's using dictionary, uh, what we call dictionary terms, in order to like pull up FAQ content. We have a few different kinds of um, initiatives that um, <clears throat> that go a little bit more into the the business uh, information. So like because Workday is trying to support the 5,000 or so tenant customers that we have, um, the bot is tailored to each one of those, those customers. So that kind of makes that that's where the difficulty for conversation design arises because you would have to design, a, if I wanted to really do it, I'd have to design a bot for every customer. But um, the technology team has made it so that um, we can pull knowledge bases from, from the tenant, from the, from the business and inject that content into the bot using the the technology that we have, the tech stack that we have. And so, so you can be at, um, let's say meta cause meta uses workday. Uh, you could be a meta and you can ask the bot a question and then you could be at like rocket mortgage. We used workday there and I can ask mm-hmm. the bot a different question. I would get a different result because it would be pulling from that knowledge base of, of from my company. So it's right. kind of what's really unique about Workday's bot is that it's hyper customized, hyper customizable. Right. So it's not then it's not an assistant that is used internally by Workday. It's an assistant that is being built so that Workday customers can use that as part of their functioning of yeah. Workday. So in that yeah. case, it needs to then bend around the needs of that customer without them having to do any heavy lifting am i understanding that right yeah that's that's kind of the the basic uh understanding of it it's it's uh we we've built they've built it in such a way that it it feels like it is a rocket mortgage bot or it's a you know meta bot or whatever the bot wherever the bot is on the workday it's that kind of bot Wow, interesting. Okay, then that's interesting. I mean, I'd love to get into some of the complexities around doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, but maybe we should go back to when you joined, and you mentioned that the whole thing had been built, um, you know, very, very kind of like dev tech centric. Which again, there's no problem with necessarily because everyone's trying to do the best they can, and it sounds as though it's actually not doing too bad as it as it was. Um, so what were the kind of, I suppose, st- the, the more kind of strategic aims around bringing in a senior conversation designer like you? Yeah. What, what, was, what problems were, was your being there aiming to yeah. solve? It was because it was such a like a dev led, dev and product management led team. They really hadn't 
thought about the the UX of everything and how UX would play into it. It was a dev first organization and design was always last. We were always being brought on to um rewrite content right like (laughs) yeah copy right before the right before it gets launched or we would like they we would get asked to like prototype a design up that the pm thought of they're like hey we i want collapsible feature inside of the the chatbot can you prototype that up for me it's like yeah we can do that for you so it was a lot of um feature factory kind of work we were developed we were the pms and the product managers would under like learn about a business need um, usually from a customer, they'd be like, oh, this customer wants this particular feature in the bot. Maybe we can roll that out to many different customers and because they might want it as well. And so they were already coming to the table with essentially the designs already in mind. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the challenge, and I'm not saying that it's been solved yet. A lot of the challenge right now is to kind of flip that paradigm of a dev-led first organization to a design first organization. Um, and so that's, that's pretty challenging for a, an older company that is pretty, pretty well established in the ways of how they're, they're working. And, but senior leadership recognizes this, that there needs to be this more of a UX centered work. And so they're putting a lot of energy and resources into flipping that flipping that way of working and so they've brought on some people from ex amazon people who are from the alexa world uh they've brought on myself um and they're really now kind of now figuring out that this is ux is kind of the way to you know satisfy and delight our customers through a chatbot rather than just provide a bunch of features that you know only 20 people are going to use, but we're going to put in like a hundred hours worth of like work. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of those things. And so a lot of my work right now is around education uh, and just kind of helping people understand what conversation designers do um, and how, how they can help, help their particular little business area that they're like focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, when I talk to a lot of people here at work at Workday, they really don't understand. They don't even, you know, conversation design is they've heard it, but they don't really know what a conversation designer does um, in their day to day. And so I've been developing slide decks and presentations essentially that walk down like, hey, this is what a conversation designer does. Even getting into the very like rudimentary, like this is what a conversation is. Like this is like how basic I'm I'm kind of having to go sometimes of like, you know, conversations are back and forth and there really is not a lot of difference between a human to human conversation versus a human to bot conversation rather other than like instead of humans labeling emotions, we have bots labeling intents. And so... Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of like where I'm I'm kind of focusing a lot of my my work right now. I part of the problem is, is getting these app development teams and these these developers to just know that I'm that I exist at the company and that conversation design is, is there and to ready to help them. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm laying a lot of that groundwork as I continue to build out a conversation design organization here at Workday. Mm, it's interesting isn't it because like i'm always a huge uh kind of fan of the it's like i think it's in the agile manifesto i can't remember which part but it basically says that everybody does as best as they can at the time with the resources Mm. and knowledge that they have and Mm. what's really interesting is that 
you can build quite a, an effective bot purely just having some technical chops. You can get something stood up. You can have it working pretty well because I think what, what the technologists have is a really kind of, I suppose, logical, for want of a better phrase, brain, which is like they really understand how to thread stuff together. So get this input, do this, match it to here, get this, pull that API. They can really piece together that kind of stuff so they can get stuff working. But I think that, and this is the case for all elements of of design, not just conversation design, but for those developers who are more technical in nature, they, you don't know what you don't know, do you? And so how, yeah. how, how, how can we expect them to know about conversation design, to your point, having to do that yeah. education and lay that groundwork because not everybody does know about conversation design just yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the engineers on, on at Workday are, and actually at any company I've ever worked at that are producing the designs, the chatbot designs that I create are all very smart people. They're very capable of, you know, produce, reproducing my designs in, in, in code. That's not really the issue. The issue is, is like what happens is you get these really smart people together and they tend to focus on things that are really are more technical in nature and not necessarily user centric unless someone comes and tells them that they need to make a feature and then they'll go in and make that feature. What I see happening, not at just Workday, but every every place that I've done chatbots is the question of scalability and how do you take that kind of that basic core chatbot that you've built and that's probably technically sound and how do you make that a better experience and how do you scale that to more people and, and bring more people into the bot? And that's where a lot of these... Um, tech-led organizations kind of fall flat is how do we we have a bot now what do we do with it and that's kind of where i i see the this kind of reoccurring problem in the industry um especially with these tech-led organizations of like i don't know what to do with this and so i have as an engineer i think that users want x and so i'm going to develop x in reality it doesn't that particular feature doesn't matter um when users just really want their the answers to their questions basically <laughs> um so you so coming into like a workday they have this vision and idea of where they would kind of want to want to take the bot and, and go with it and as a conversation designer coming in i like see this direction that they're going and like oh maybe we should kind of rewrite the direction a little bit and so that's another kind of challenge that um i'm facing at workday is we have this, these roadmaps built out, focused on feature sets that are only going to serve a small amount of people. My question is, my what I'm working through is, is how do I rewrite this large organization as a single IC to more of a user-focused design work? And that's that's why I'm at Workday is to figure to figure that question out. Yeah. I think that's the kind of the million-dollar problem is, is how do you scale bots? because every bot is different and every company's needs are different. So it's like, it's, that's where the UX designer conversation designer really steps up and is like really important for companies to have. Mm, absolutely. As, uh, I suppose the challenge, the challenge is another challenge potentially that you may face is that um, it sounds very similar to how a lot of global brands are structured and set up, which is that, you know, 
in this instance, Workday wants to bring a more con- kind of like customer-centric, presumably data-driven design approach into the development of its capabilities, um, which requires uh, some degree of culture shift. Uh, the same is exactly true of you know the the Vodafones and the um, you know Unilevers of the world who have you know centralized I suppose enablement teams for want of a better word call it center of excellence or whatever you want to call it but. Mm teams that are there to help those more localized teams adopt standards get consistency between markets maybe get consistency in terms of their approach to design their approach to quality assurance their approach to technology and just to make sure that things are happening efficiently and effectively it sounds as though is that am i understanding right in terms of your kind of position there is that your aim is to be the kind of i suppose the hub in the middle the the guiding star that sort of like helps and enables these other teams to adopt a more customer-centric culture is that correct yeah i I think i yeah i think that's a little bit correct i think i have to be the the voice of the the user within the company and so that's where i kind of can push those teams to be more of a ux design centric focus Mm. um it's it, it really it really is is like uh, conversation design is a very like specific field within the UX world and you can't forget that you're still within UX and you're very much in the user experience champ you're the user experience champion for whatever area you're in. <clears throat> mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I suppose that what I was what I was going to say before was that the challenge or one of the challenges, is that uh, you what you kind of come into an organization that's already been doing this for a long time. And it's like, you know, this is like any other area where if you were to go into an organization and all of a sudden uh, start kind of working with the people that develop the intranet or develop the, the website or the app or, you know, the contact center, you know, for those that have had invested in this quite a lot, it almost becomes like their baby, and yeah. there's there's quite clear ownership and attachment to it, which is really good mm. because it means they care about it. Um, but in order to scale, sometimes they need to relinquish a little bit of control. Yeah. Um, and so I suppose, yeah, I don't know whether you kind of concur with that challenge in terms of you're kind of trying to win the hearts yeah. and minds a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, there is a lot of like relationship building for sure. Um one of the things that I also see at um, the companies that I've worked at, especially that are these engineering and dev led organizations, is that this is the very first time that they're ever working on a chatbot, too. So they these engineers and these developers and product managers don't have the external experience or bringing in that experience to know, like, what is right and what is wrong and, and how to use UX. They're kind of figuring it out on their own. And so. They've gone for a few years just kind of figuring things out on their own. And they've developed this relationship with the product where you're right, it is their baby. It's something that they're like really attached to. Um, Thankfully, at Workday, our our research team is really great. And they've provided a lot of like really good insights for the development team, for the product managers to kind of understand where our pain points are. And so... The nice thing at Workday is, is the people that are actually building the product is for the most part understand the problems with the product and they are, but they just don't know how to really fix those. And so that's kind of where they brought in conversation design because 
conversation design can really fix those problems. Um, not to really say the Workday bots have a lot of problems, but they're, <clears throat> they, they need alignment in their interactive, interactive styles. What Workday did is because we're trying to develop bots for all these different companies, they've basically handed off the development to app, de app development teams here. And so you have all these different app development teams building for the assistant but no one there, the, the, the assistant team, the engineering team is not being that, um, that guidepost for those app development teams. And so what you're getting is you're getting 20, 30 different types of conversational or interactive experiences inside of the bot that don't really align with each other. And so <clears throat> coming in and, and explaining and showing these kinds of mental model mismatches and little issues to the development in a language or a way that they can understand the problem a little bit better, lets them kind of realize that, oh, you're the professional in the bot world and kind of hand off some of those responsibilities to the designer. And so again, a lot of that goes down to like building relationships with the team and being able to speak their language with them. Mm, yeah, absolutely. The um, It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got a lot of considerations there, which is one, as you mentioned, getting some consistency on the front end, without a doubt, especially if you've got this thing working in lots of different companies, you've got more eyeballs on it and stuff like that, lots of different users. Uh, and if different use cases have a different tone of voice, use different language, having consistent kind of conversational patterns and stuff like mm -hmm. that, it kind of gets a bit confusing or harder to use. But also there's efficiencies you can get from the kind of scalability of some of that kind of logic and also some of the back-end stuff. So mm. there may be repeatable patterns that different app development mm. teams have got in common that, you know, centralizing that and making that available for others to consume when they when that need arises, all of a sudden yeah. not just brings about consistency but expedites the time to market as well. So yeah. there's a whole load of kind of benefits that come with this kind of stuff. Um I suppose, yeah, so we, so we mentioned one, which is consistency of customer experience. The other one is potential scalability of those kind of common um, turns, for want of a better phrase. What are some of the other kind of benefits that, that you've been kind of identifying through, through uh, bringing in a more kind of conversation-led approach? I think, I think really at least for, for Workday, really it comes around around experience alignment and consistency. Um, other, other benefits really are <laughs> shaping, being able to shape the direction of, of the bot and to be able to be that, like, um, that source of knowledge for the team to be able to like rely on as far as it content or conversation design is concerned. Um, like I said earlier, the this is the first time that a lot of these people are working on bots and they're they're going to places like Medium. They're going they're reading like Google documents. They're reading these types of things, um, mm. just general knowledge where a lot of the information that's online around conversation design is is pretty good for the most part. But what is kind of the problem is, is a lot of the content, a lot of the content online around conversation design is focused on a certain business area and a certain mental model of a chatbot. And so being able to come into a place like Workday and kind of help guide um, these developers through these types of things that they're learning and self-educating 
is is pretty important. And that's like one of the benefits of for Workday to bring on a conversation designer is to have have that kind of like I wouldn't say like a source of truth, but like having having someone as like a guru or a guide um, along the way. Mm. That's that's one of the benefits for at least bringing conversation design into Workday. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You also get a lot of experience when you have a conversation designer that comes into a certain domain. You're right. There's a lot of stuff that is very unique to the business, unique to the use case, and you know, best practice in quotation marks is only really what really matters is getting stuff done for the user. And so there's there's unique nuances that you come into. And in every single thing I've worked on, there's been something nuanced that has taken conversation design expertise to figure out. And so it's almost, it's not just reading books and, and doing it. It's also bringing that experience into new situations in order to get through that new situation with a degree of either either efficiency or, you know, uh, quality or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. Quality control is super important when it comes to chatbots. A lot of the research that I've read, you know, has shown that after one or two negative or bad or bad responses or interactions with the bot, people just abandon. They just leave. Mm. And so for a product that we we're trying to sell to people is like we can't have a product that is constantly turning people away or making people frustrated. And so that's. It's really where the focus has been is like to create a more positive experience around this, the assistant on. Mm. And so, you know, it, the system is the chatbot is fully functional and has lots of features in it. But, you know, if the one or two customers have a bad experience and they, they stop using the product, like that's going to be a problem if that just keeps going and it gets, you know, over time, it'll get exponentially bigger and mm. more of a problem. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's the old churn rate uh, ratio, isn't it? Um, yeah. What What have been some of the, not necessarily what have been at Workday specifically, but what are in general some of the, I suppose, if, if we were to play devil's advocate and, and go to the other side of the, the story, what are some of the sort of pushbacks that could arise when trying to bring more of a customer-centric conversation design-led approach? Is, have you experienced, mm-hmm. again, not specifically at Workday, but in, in general, have you experienced any any kind yeah. of like pushbacks or challenges to, to bringing conversation design into the fold? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, sometimes a lot of the problem that I see around bringing conversation design into a, an, a heavily engineering-led group or into a bot that already exists or has you know, is it, it's been around for a few years is the tech stack doesn't allow for certain features. Um, you know, what comes to mind is like bots that are contextually aware require a lot of information. They require a lot of data points in order to like know things like user type, role type, uh, where they're accessing things from, where the bot is situated in the echo system of whatever product it's on. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the, a lot of bots are built on sometimes legacy tech stacks, especially if you're if you're building everything from the ground up. Um, for example, Workday is one of the things that they really highly prize is their security. In the flip, on the flip side of that, though, that security makes it super difficult for conversation design to even access utterances to access conversational data. 
Um, if I want to look at utterances or conversations, I have to go through like five different people and the utterances that I get are all, um, uh, math, a lot of it's masked even because of the personally identifiable information. And so like it becomes, it becomes a challenge to be able to even improve the bot because of the tech that is supporting the, the, um, the assistant and just even general, like legal issues that we have around accessing customer data. Um, that that's probably one of the biggest challenges I, I, I see is just technology, not being able to catch up with the demands of, um, the designs. Mm, interesting. That's interesting. Um, you mentioned there that uh, earlier on that the, the idea of the assistant is that it is kind of like the same assistant, technically speaking, but it works with lots of different organizations so that every company mm -hmm. can almost like tweak it and, and make it kind of their own. Mm -hmm. That sounds like quite an interesting philosophy that because usually nine times out of 10 people are building bots and building assistants and it's kind of got a single use purpose they may mm -hmm. refactor it and put it into a different channel or something like that but broadly speaking yeah. it's got the same purpose which is just to have conversations with customers what are some of the things you've learned since you've been at work there about the considerations or that you need to take on when trying to design and build something that has that kind of flexibility yeah, it's they had to go big when they were initially coming up with this. How do we serve every one of our customers unique in, in a unique way? And so um, the engineering team came up with a really cool idea. What they what they call intelligent answers. Um, it, it's this, it uh, basically is a machine learning algorithm that you can feed your company's knowledge base to and then it would essentially do a lot of like text matching and word matching and things like that in order to pull responses that are specific to your organization um and that's that's really cool but what happens is if your if your algorithm if your models are not tight if there if there is a you know any any slip in there you're going to respond with wrong answers and so that's kind of the challenge that we're at working through like right now of like how do we basically provide the right answers to the employee because we're having to basically have the bot skim all of these knowledge bases for each company and be able to like pull particular information in there and sometimes if like if a company doesn't have their knowledge bases set up correctly the content that the bot is going to respond with is not going to be correct too. So there's, there's a lot of like small little pieces that you really have to account for when it comes to, to creating a universal design um, for a chat bot. Mm. It's, it's a challenge that we're kind of still working through. And this particular feature is only available for like our early access people. Um, so we're currently tightening tightening those mo those um, machine learning models up quite a bit. Um, we've also done um, and Workday has also integrated their search feature into their assistant too. So we have a little bit of overlap when it comes to like search too. So like we are providing Workday HR specific information as well as like business you know employee business specific information inside of the bot, which there's so many challenges with with that that you have to take into consideration and 
what it really comes down to is like really, really, really documenting your flows and how things are supposed to like interact. And that's kind of the way to like make things better mm. for, for that type of design work. Mm, interesting. Um, what the part of the challenge I found with, you know, when you've got a, a, a chatbot that is there to serve knowledge based articles or, or in general, just answer questions that doesn't <clears> require anything kind of like transactional or nothing that requires verification stuff like that. <clears> um, is that, it's, it can be quite difficult to figure out whether it is doing its job, you know, and, and part of what you, part of what you shared there is actually part of the challenge is that the company that's using it. So the company that's using Workday, part of the issue might actually be it's, it's, a, it's their knowledge base articles that are full of either inconsistencies or similarities between articles and stuff like that. And so you've got one part of the problem, which is the, the knowledge that's been fed into it. But then still, the, 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 the challenge is when you've got something that is, is kind of like um, as open-ended, for want of a better word, um, with no kind of defined end goal, like book holiday, book annual leave, you can tell when that's happened because you can look to see whether the annual leave has been deducted off the back mm. of the bot conversation. I wonder whether you've kind of learned anything that you might be able to share to help people figure out the one of the best ways to try and monitor the effectiveness of something that is that kind of Q&A sort of style um, assistant? Yeah. Um, I I have a little bit of a challenge with that at Workday because getting access to the conversational data is fairly hard. But at other companies that I've worked at, such as Rocket Mortgage, um, I had pretty easy access to the conversational data. And um, a a lot of my time... At, at those companies was spent just analyzing conversations and like just reading just how things progressed. Um, we had some wonderful uh, data science people that would be able to build models for us that um, were able to tell us kind of where people would go in conversations depending on like what questions they asked or like what intents they hit. And so <clears throat> It's kind of a combination of a lot of things. It's 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 basic research. It's basic going through conversational uh, conversations, just seeing how things progress. And you know, you do have to do a lot of that. It's it, you know, it's just part of the job. But then also, it's like really working with your your um, research and data teams to be able to, you know, you can use apply metrics to a lot of these things. Um, you can also r- utilize your research team to then go out and talk to the end user if, if you absolutely need um it it's really it's different from from company to company honestly and depending on like how how easy it is to either c- connect with your end user or to even just you know peek you know peeked into their their world kind of like pull the curtain back and like look at the conversations as they happen in real time mm. there's some real value in doing that isn't there like the just having eyeballs on the conversation and really empathizing with the customer's situation is just so vital. Yeah. I I really can't stress enough how important it is for a conversation designer to like look at the conversations that are happening with their bots. Um, You can utilize things like feedback um, within the bot where you can get people to, you know, type, to really tell you what the problem was. But even then that's still, 
you know, as far as like the UX world is like things that the users say versus what they end up doing are often completely different things. And so things like feedback, feedback metrics and things like that are very beneficial, but they're only part of the story without having to actually dive in and to see how people are actually using the product. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, it definitely opens your eyes and it helps you just really hone in and identify where, you know, where the issues are and all that kind of stuff, which is, uh, which is good. What, how, how do you approach? So we've spoke, we've spoke a lot about, the the role your role your team's role within workday we spoke a lot about you know techniques and things like that around kind of like changing the culture from development led towards more design led spoke a lot about the importance of design and and the kind of tech techniques and insights into how to to create something that's that's more user-friendly and stuff like that jumping up a level you mentioned earlier on around kind of like shaping the roadmap of, of kind of where this is going how how are your what are your thoughts in terms of um how best to do that like if, in your mind how do you go about kind of putting together a kind of future roadmap for something that already exists yeah yeah sometimes sometimes you come into a, as a designer you come into a company where they already have roadmaps for the next year the next several months already kind of laid out and you might recognize that that's probably not the best direction to go into. Um, kind of going back on what we said earlier is like, you really have to build trust with the people that you're working with for sure. If they don't trust you or they don't think that you can help them out, they're not going to listen to you. It's kind of sad, but that's just kind of how things work. And so you initially have to build that trust. <clears throat> but part of that is, is you can't just come into a place and say, Hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is bad. We should go in a different direction. You need to have solutions in mind, or at least a roadmap or a plan, um, to bring to the table to be like, okay, there's some issues and here's some areas that we need to like work on. Um, we call them, I guess I would call them opportunities, not, not like problems. And so you're like, here's a list of opportunities that there, there are here are, here is my particular plan. Uh, to, to tackle these opportunities. And that's how I frame a lot of this work that I'm doing now is, is trying to avoid the negative and put it on a more of a positive spin of like, we have these opportunities. Um, but really as a designer, you, you should be leading a lot of this work and, and be thinking about these opportunities and presenting solutions to your stakeholders, not necessarily telling them that this is how it has to be, but this is how it could be better. Um, I find that if, when people come in and just start ragging on, you know, knocking on the, the product, people kind of just instantly tune them, tune them out. Cause you were saying earlier, it's their baby. They don't yeah. want to hear that their baby's being bad. They, <laughs> they really want that. Like, that kind of like feedback of like, Oh, this is good, but there's opportunities here to make it even better. And so that's kind of how I, I spin a lot of it. Um, but having, having something to present and options for them to like look at and see is, is pretty, pretty beneficial. Mm. It's all opportunities. I see, you know, it's like, yeah. that's all it is, isn't it? You know, like every, everything can be improved. Um, it doesn't matter how good something is, there's always something that can be done to make it better. And and it's not detrimental to the thing that already exists because it's already been doing its job. It's already been doing well. The question is, how do you get more value from it? How do you scale it? How do you improve it? How do you yeah. increase its usefulness? And so, yeah, totally agree. Absolutely agree. Um, 
what are you, what are your thoughts on like where the future of both, I suppose, the usage of the technology. You mentioned at the beginning there that, you know, in your observations, the kind of chat medium seems to be maybe stagnating, but the voice side of things is is kind of picking up. And what's your kind of thoughts on the future of this stuff in general over the next kind of couple of years? Like whether whether that's conversation design, whether that's technology, whether it's use cases, like just general thoughts on where you think it's all headed. Um, you can kind of see it right now in the market in the in the tooling market for conversation design you're you're seeing a lot of people talk about like no code chatbots and no or low code chatbots you're seeing design companies like voice flow and uh previous to them what's you know botmock popping up and making making design super super um accessible to non-designers and non-engineering people and I think that's kind of where uh, the world of like type, like chatbots are kind of going is, is moving away from these like super tech heavy bots to, you know, GUI style plug and play, drop pieces in, move pieces around visual style bot building tools. And I think that is going to create a pro- proliferation of more bots on sites and people, smaller companies being able to manage their own bots instead of having to have whole development teams build these things. I think you're going to see smaller companies start to utilize bots a little bit more. I think the world of voice is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but the more the technology develops, um, the adaptate, the adoption of, of voice is still very kind of in its infancy stage and people are still getting into it. Mainly you're seeing voice being done with the Siri and Alexa those are the big the big ones you're really not seeing a lot of like smaller people using voice but as soon as like meta starts developing their oculus a little bit better and the metaverse becomes bigger you're going to start seeing these more voice interactive styles come into play at least that's my assumption or my guess of what's going to happen Mm, nice yeah i definitely concur with the whole kind of low code thing and it's already kind of happening really most of the yeah. platforms have got low code options amazon mm. aws released a low code uh a, a version of Lex the other week, you know, yeah. you got Google with Dialogflow CX, you know, and it's kind of all all getting that way. All the other platforms, yeah. the third parties that are not the big cloud providers, all have low code drag and drop interfaces. Yeah, and I think that that's really where the scalability is, you know. And and <clears throat> same situation that applies to to your situation at Workday, which you were saying that you got lots of different teams working on it. But if all of those teams are technical teams, <clears throat> then it's limited in terms of the scale that you can achieve. Because if if you need to yeah. know how to code in order to develop a dialogue management system to apply to one mm-hmm. specific use case, you know, you're really limited. Whereas if you've got a no-code tool, you can train mm-hmm. people in conversation design best practice. You can train mm-hmm. them in how to use the tool in the same ways they could use WordPress or something else. And yeah. you can unlock a lot more scale and a lot faster, you know. Um, yeah. That way, definitely. Exactly. Definitely conquer. Nice one. Well, Colin, this has been absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, really thoroughly appreciate your time. It's been absolutely unbelievable. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was wonderful. I'm glad uh, you invited me. I appreciate it. It was a great time. I love love talking about chatbots. uh, (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) Yeah.
Definitely. No, it's been wicked. Thank you very much. Uh, and for those yeah. of you uh, still tuning in towards the end, voicesummit.ai, promo code VUX20, get yourself to VUX at Voice22 because it is going to be, I'm not just saying this because I'm going to be there, but it is going to be the standout event of the year. It's our first in-person event ever and uh, hopefully there'll be many more to come, so hopefully you'll see you there. And next week, Thursday, the webinar with Vonage and OneReach, all about demystifying conversational AI. Uh I don't want to undersell, but we've already covered quite a bit of uh, important demystifying things in this conversation. But there'll be even more of that in the next conversation with Vonage in that webinar, vux.world forward slash Vonage. And uh, we'll see you again very soon. In fact, I'll see everybody after the US event because this is the last one until after then. So I'll see you in October.